Pete McCarthy, Tim Britton. This is the Metrospective. Well, Tim, the final weekend of the year, the Mets needed a small miracle to just have a chance to make the playoffs. And in very Mets fashion, they got the miracle. and They got all the help they needed. They just didn't take advantage of it at all. Yeah, you know, I remember looking at the playoff scenario going into that rubber game against Tampa Bay uh, where, you know, they, they needed like the Phillies to lose three of their last four. The Phillies lost all four. They needed the Giants to lose at least three of six. The Giants lost four of six. They needed the, the Brewers to lose at least three of six. The Brewers lost four of six. And then they just needed to win. At, at the time, I figured it was five out of five. They only needed to win four of them. They would have gotten in uh, and they won one. So it, it just it kind of adds injury to insult when you realize uh, that everything they needed to happen outside of their games happened uh, and more, really. Uh, and they just weren't able to get it done themselves uh, in the final week of the season. Well, that was the story of this team. They just weren't good enough and they didn't play well enough. Uh, 26 and 34, the final record for the Mets and the most bizarre of seasons, a season that I think we knew was going to be unlike any other coming in. But then you kind of look back at all of this from you have the pandemic and, you know, I know my experience of watching the news conferences, whether it's Cuomo, Trump, whatever, trying to get a, a grip on what's happening. And then like it just comes across, oh, Noah Syndergaard is going to need Tommy John out of nowhere. And then you go all those months without baseball, you find, all right, it's going to be a two month sprint. And then within 10 days, Johannes Cespedes is opting out of the season. Marcus Stroman opts out after that. You have uh, the, the team is shut down for a few days because of a couple of positive coronavirus tests. Uh, Steve Cohen agrees to purchase the club. Tom Seaver dies uh, this season as well. I, I mean, there were just so many different storylines, I suppose. Is there is there a memorable day moment, uh, something that sticks out? for what's really been a blur, if not for the last six months, then certainly the last two as far as the Mets are concerned. Yoannis Cespedes was on this Mets team? <laughs> I don't think that's true. You're thinking of the 2016 Mets. That's the last time he played for them. They I, didn't I know where he that. was. It was a very calm day. <laughs> yeah, that that might be, you know, it's it's amazing that in, I think the season was 66 days to, to place over 66 days. And you have like five candidates for super weird day as a beat writer. You've got the the Cespedes uh, opt-out day where they, they issue the statement about not knowing where he was. You've got, um, I mean, the, the day where they have the COVID outbreak mm -hmm. uh, where you have no idea what's going to happen over the next couple of days. You've got... Uh, I think maybe the leader in the clubhouse is the hot mic day uh, because that was the start of my vacation uh, and Rustin Dodd filling in for me got the full experience of being a Mets beat writer within like 30 minutes of taking over for me. Um, you had that, you had, you know, the, the double header day at Yankee Stadium, you win on a walk off at Yankee Stadium, you get the Cohen news the same day, like one, I mean, Maybe the best day the Mets have had in like the last four years is is thrown into this mm. situation. Also, uh, so just so many uh, crazy things happening. Now uh, that you're talking, the, the protests, uh, right? The, oh yeah, the, the field, the, the hot mic day with the protests, and, and Dom walked Smith. Up Dom Smith at the press conference uh, tearfully the the night before. Yeah, like all of that happened in the last two months that's a lot to pack into mm. a two-month season it's you know there, i'm sure there are other teams where it was like oh they just they went on their way and and you know 
I'm, I'm not. I don't want to disparage the Kansas City Royals, but they also went 26 and 34 with a very similar run differential, and I feel like it was less eventful for them. Just, just a little bit. That's the way it, it tends to go. It's more eventful in New York than Kansas City, but you know they, they got a title over uh, the last few years here, whereas uh, the Mets do not. Now, you know, we thought that the DH would be a big advantage for the Mets. And even though Yohannes Cespedes opted out, it really, it was a big advantage for the Mets. They ended up uh, second in OPS among National League teams from their designated hitter spot. So, I mean, that helped them out. The offense was good. I mean, they were third in all of baseball in OPS. Uh, You saw Dom Smith and Michael Conforto really take star turns. And even though Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil were disappointing for a period of time, you look at their stats at the end of the year, not terrible, right? And I I think you still feel okay about those guys going forward. And we can get into that more uh, next podcast, Tim. They'll be coming out on Friday. It's just stunning that this team offensively finally seemed to put it together and the, the pitching absolutely cratered. And so you have this lost year disappointing year wasted year however you want to put it yeah i mean this is a team that didn't win more than three games in a row at any point this season they're the first mets team to do that since the 62 mets obviously there's the handicap they only had 60 games to do it i did not go back and check to see how many other mets teams won at least four in a row in their first 60 games um but and the reason for that was really the, the lack of starting pitching uh, because beyond Jacob deGrom, uh, they didn't have consistent presence in that rotation behind him. Steven Matz had, you know, if we're picking disappointments from this season, Steven Matz is probably number one. Not just to not be, not take a step forward off of last year, not just to not be what he was last year, but to crater the way he did, uh, kind of culminated uh, in that outing on Sunday. Uh, you know, Rick Porcello and Michael Waka, neither of them gave you what you were hoping for. Porcello at least stayed healthy, but. You know, that, that was kind of a, a low bar. That you know, that, that was what you knew you'd get out of him as an innings eater. You were hoping to get more on the field. And Waka got hurt and didn't pitch particularly well when he was there. So it was really DeGrom and then David Peterson, uh, who despite missing time, was, was their second best starter throughout the year. And you were, you were trying to fill in gaps there. You were trying to, you know, transition Robert Gazelman and then Seth Lugo into the rotation uh, in the middle of the season. And that made you use your bullpen more and a, a bullpen that didn't have as many guys in it as previous. Uh, so I think the, everything that went wrong with this team really goes back to the starting pitching uh, not being what they expected it to be. And there's, you know, it's reasonable for it not to live up to what you thought when you had Noah Syndergaard and Marcus Stroman. But we talked about it in spring training. We talked about it all offseason, building that six, seven, eight, nine starter depth uh, that, they didn't really do, you know, they had Waka as their number six, but beyond that, you know, you were counting on, say, Gazelman and, and Lugo and moving them uh, midstream into the rotation. Uh, and that's, you know, Luis Rojas has, has talked about that a lot as when things kind of fell apart on them was when they had to do that on the fly. Uh, it showed that the, the plan wasn't really good from the start. Well, it's amazing. I mean, they caught a break with David Peterson, right? I, he was far better than anybody could have expected this season and far more impactful for the Mets yet. Uh, the starting pitching was still uh, really the, the biggest issue for this team. And while you're talking, you know, just uh, jogging memory cells and, and things like that, do we count uh, Carlos Beltran as uh, the manager <laughs> to begin this particular season? Yeah, I mean, this it's so much has happened in, the, in a year where they did not play very much baseball. Like, it was it was so weird on Sunday to be watching that game uh, you know, and, and watching it from my apartment, not at the game like I, I would be usually. 
uh, and to realize in the fourth inning, like, oh, this is a nine-inning game. It's not one of those other seven-inning games <laughs> as the Nationals are up like 12-3 to three or something at that point uh, to just have to remind myself that the game is going to be a regulation baseball game today. That's too bad. This one should only be seven, really, if we think about it. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Jacob deGrom finishes the season with an ERA of 2.38. Not too far off what you might have expected coming into this season. Obviously with the smaller sample size, uh, something ridiculous was possible. I I would... I would say two things right now, Tim. He's not the NL Cy Young Award winner, but he did not relinquish his title as the best pitcher in baseball. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I mean, I think it would be reasonable to say if the season were going on for four more months to like Jacob deGrom's chances of winning a third straight Cy Young over a full 162-game season, the way he's pitched this year. I think the, the things that might hold him back, you know, the ERA isn't as good as uh, as some other guys, obviously Trevor Bauer leads the league uh, in ERA, and you've got some, you know, Corbin Burns and, and Dinelson Lamette have have ERAs right around two, if not below. Uh, and Degrom just wasn't the regular deep into the game pitcher that we've seen the last two years. And in, you know, 2018 he was like regularly going seven and eight innings. Mm. 2019 it was kind of regular seven, and this year it was more like six on average. Uh, you know, I think he averaged it was 68 innings over 12 starts, so he didn't even average six innings. Part of that is the two inning start, obviously late in the late in the game. And I think that hurt him a lot because just in terms of innings, he wasn't up there right at the top of the National League the way we've seen him the last couple of years. So it's just those little nagging injuries, you know, mm-hmm. the the back tightness. Uh, in spring in summer camp that kind of limited him right out of the gate to the point where he wasn't going to go seven innings opening day the neck tightness that cost him a start in Philly uh, and maybe changed the way they used him off of the the COVID break period uh, where they didn't go right to him to try to pitch him as much as possible down the stretch Uh, you know you you can imagine a scenario in which they they kind of weaponized DeGrom as much as possible in this season tried to start him 13 14 times or something like that and instead it was it was a very normal you know 12 starts 68 innings uh that's just kind of uh it's not at the elite level uh in the national league in terms of innings pitched or something like that at this point now i I think that's the difference though as you talk about those little injuries that popped up here there uh nothing super major nothing that you really worry about going forward with the grammar at least i don't but enough that it just sidetracked his season enough that Maybe you're the third best pitcher in the National League for this year, for these two months. But when you start looking ahead to next year, I mean, he's got to be the top pitcher in baseball walking in once again. Unless, what, Garrett Cole just shuts everybody down again throughout a whole postseason. I'm not sure exactly what it would take that DeGrom gets knocked off that mantle. But he didn't do anything to knock himself off. Right. And, And what you really like is that the Mets actually won his starts. You know, it started last September where they won, I think, his last four starts, four or five starts last year. And then they went eight and four in the 12 starts this year. I think they were eight and two at one point uh, and then lost the last two. But, you know, that that 
idea of like the offense not being able to produce for DeGrom, the bullpen blowing whatever mm-hmm. cushion he gave them. Uh, those, those dynamics didn't exist to the same extent this season. Uh, you know, it, it was weird enough for it to happen one season. You think it's kind of a fluky thing for it to happen two in a row was was really weird. Uh, so from that point of view, it, that was a, a step forward for the rest of this team that, you know, the offense could just support DeGrom in a way that to make his ridiculous performance more meaningful. And when you think about that over 162, you know, instead of going 14 and 18 in his 32 starts with a two ERA, maybe you're going 22 and 10 or something like that. No, they did that. They'd be winning, what, 19 games this year, something along those lines. Good thing they at least took advantage of their best starting pitcher because the other three or four days, uh, I'll knock David Peterson as an exception, uh, but, you know, they weren't given a chance really to win despite the fact that the offense was much improved over the course of this year. But this team's going to have a, a lot of question marks moving forward. Obviously, big changes with Steve Cohen coming in still needs to be approved as the new owner. You're going to have Sandy Alderson rejoining the organization as we've talked about. But what is Seth Lugo going forward? Pete Alonso versus Dom Smith. Can they coexist uh, going forward? Edwin Diaz, JT Real Muto. Uh, a lot of moving pieces I, I think we'll see over the course of this offseason. And we'll start to look ahead a little bit come Friday and, and give a taste of what we can expect in the uh, in the months ahead. Hopefully better than the months behind, huh, Tim? Yeah, it, it, you know, the season is done with long live the season. Let, let's move on to 2021, right? The next era of Mets baseball. Let's do that beyond the Mets, just in general. We'll just go straight to New Year's and let's, let's put 2020 in the rearview mirror. I'm done with it. It's over. The Jets stink, the Mets are done, the Islanders got knocked out. 21, let's go. Let's go right to it. Adios, Pete.